Chapter 10 Yarmouth was healing the city. That thought filled everyone's mind. No one had known just how ill the city was, how languishing in need of Yarmouth's cures, until now. The early symptoms of thysis had been posted for months, and even children who could not read could recite the list by heart. Citizens of Halcyon, an invader is among us, a daily contagion caused by chronic exposure to power stone matrices. This disease can be spread person to person. Early detection remains our best defense. A case identified and treated early can prevent a hundred more cases. Anyone noting any of the following symptoms in him or herself, family members, friends, or neighbors is asked to report the findings to health counselor Yamoth. Fatigue, irritability, excitability, lassitude, forgetfulness, confusion, paranoia, itchiness, blotches, rash, pallor, swelling, numbness, lesions, stiff joints, dizziness, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, changes in eating or sleeping habits, headaches, neck aches, or back aches. The council is declaring war on this disease and calls all sites to aid in fighting that war. Health counselor Yarmouth will personally visit every reported person, providing a diagnosis, giving instructions to prevent the spread of disease, and where needed, administering treatments. It is the duty of all sites to cooperate and aid in any way possible. One elder had quipped that Yarmouth had listed the symptoms of being human. Another added, Yamoth claimed he cured all mortal illness, and that's what he listed. The posting was approved anyway. Yamoth was granted the right to post this and whatever other public announcements he deemed appropriate. His response to his critics were merely to strengthen the language used. Changing, are asked to report, to must report. To the end of the document, he added another few sentences. Citizens are advised to watch for loved ones or neighbors who withdraw from contact, wear concealing clothes, act secretively, or oppose early detection efforts. Such action bespeaks a person with much to hide and may be the clearest symptom of infection. Such individuals must be reported. Opposition to Yalmoth's programs fell to whispers. Not only did dissenters find themselves the object of unwanted scrutiny, but they also discovered their views were unwelcome among most listeners. The masses loved Yalmoth. As long as the masses did, the elected elders of the council did, Glaceon and his artificial cronies, long the darlings of the elite, suddenly found themselves without political support. Talk of banishment ceased. Who would exile the new genius of Halcyon? The artificers could only bide their time and wait for fickle public opinion to tire of Yawmoth. Meanwhile, reports flooded into the health counselor. In the first week alone, there had been 150 cases. Yawmoth personally called at the home of every patient. He brought with him Zod and a few other healers. They had ceased to be mere observers. Now, each was skilled in the creation and administration of the serum. Yamoth was reshaping them into healers after his own image, whose hands were skillful with both the scalpel and the sword. It was fortunate. Some patients were less than willing. Most of those checked were clear of contamination. A number of others were diagnosed in the early stages of thysis. Provided treatment, they were charged to avoid physical contact with others, to bathe in salts, to avoid infecting the baths, and to report every two weeks for further treatments. A final few displayed obvious lesions and tissue degeneration. These Yamoth strictly quarantined in their homes, or occasionally in a special infirmary in the caves below the city. The program left most patients thankful for Yamoth's attention and grateful for his findings. It cast others in Yamoth's debt, relying on him not only for injections, but also for permission to stay in the world above. As to those sent to the cave infirmaries, only they and their families were unhappy. The rest of the neighborhood, the city, the empire, breathed a collective sigh of relief. Reports flooded in. Yamoth and his army of healers flooded out. 
The work kept him busy day and night. He spent eight hours a day ministering to citizens, three more to the damned, and three more to research for a final cure. Yalmuth allowed his 34 followers to treat patients he already interviewed, but he himself wanted to conduct each initial assessment and diagnosis. I want to talk to everyone, shake hands, see homes, learn who they are and what they do, not just whether they are living or dying. It was an ambitious statement. Yalmoth's supporters said it showed his deep compassion. His opponents whispered that it showed Yalmoth had different diagnoses for friends than foes. They hinted he was sifting the populace, casting away anyone who might resist his power, and keeping only those he could mesmerize into supporting it. They hinted and whispered, but dared do no more, lest they find themselves interviewed by the iron-eyed man. It was on a way to one such interview that Rebecca caught up to the health counselor. Matching Yalmoth stride to stride, she said, Have you a moment? Not for months, Yalmoth replied grimly. My husband isn't improving. Everyone else has responded to the serum, but Glaceon still languishes. It's a definite conundrum, Yalmoth answered easily. He checked the number carved into a doorpost, consulted a list, and nodded to the healers. This is the spot. Yalmoth knocked on the door. A ragged wooden thing. Rebecca pressed. Why does everyone but my husband respond to the treatment? Yalmoth lifted an eyebrow. Already he receives thrice the dose of any other patient. Four times the dose might be lethal. He does show signs of improvement during the first hour after each injection, but then quickly lapses. Perhaps his long, intense exposure completely destroyed his resistance. There have been plenty of untouchables with worse degeneration. They all are responding. Why is my husband different? He has always been different, Yamath replied. Even before the thysis. Even before he was your husband. What is that supposed to- The door swung inward. A man stood beyond, old and nervous, thin, gray hair, prickled out across his balding head. He blinked suspiciously out into the bright street and drew a ragged robe up around himself. What is it? Yama smiled. It was a look that emanated confidence. I am Health Counselor Yamoth. He glanced down at the list, letting his name sink. I have received a report about a certain Desra, said to be infected. The man pulled the door open behind him and made a quieting gesture. Look, I am her husband. I am the one who made the report. She was feeling tired and dizzy. Those were on the list, but she's feeling better now and... We've come, Yamoth interrupted, gesturing at the group about him. I have come. The examination will only take a few moments. Narrow fingers quivered fearfully. She doesn't even know. She has no idea that there even is... She doesn't know you are coming. No one does, Yamoth said. He stepped forward. Without touching the man, he impelled him back through the door and up the stairs beyond. Please! Please! This isn't what I wanted, he said as he stumbled backward up the stairs. Yamoth climbed. Rebecca followed. She looked about. The wooden stairs must have been a century old. The plaster fallen from above. Water stains marked the walls. She hadn't realized such shabby places existed in Halcyon. Too much time spent in the Crystal Temple. Zod came behind her, and four other healers brought up the rear. Yamoth pressed. How many Power Stone devices do you possess? None. None at all. We don't even ha have a sedan chair, the man yammered. Why do you think we live here if we could afford Power Stone devices? Ha! Huh. Ha! Huh. Does she have any Power Stone jewelry? Yamath pursued. Well, well, actually, a few things, 
Just a few rings? Torques? Bracelets? She loved all those things. But, but she's fine. She's one of the immune ones. I heard about that. Some people don't get sick. That's Desra. The narrow old man had reached the top of the stairs. He staggered into the upper apartments. Yamoth, Rebecca, and the others followed. Beyond lay a tiny room, poorly appointed. Against one wall, a rag mat laid. So had linens bunched across it. More linens hung across the window. Shadows of broken glass cast across them. Though there were no implements for preparing food, crumbs of bread and dried hunks of meat lay here and there across the floor. There was not a stick of furniture in the room. The stench of mildew and rot filled the air. The only extravagance was a large round mirror leaning against one stained wall. Beneath it lay a cloth of red velvet. It, in turn, held an assortment of gleaming jewelry. There was one other extravagance. Desra. She could have been no more than twenty. She leaned beside her glittering jewels, as though part of the collection. They cast stars of light across her young, perfect skin. The torque around her neck gleamed with four power stones, the same indigo color of her eyes. As healers poured into the room, Desra pulled a silken rope up across her naked figure in feigned modesty. She stared into their eyes, challenge and invitation both. Her attention settled at last on Yamoth, and there lingered with obvious interest. Excuse my appearance, Desra said. My husband said he'd get rid of whoever was at the door. He tried, Yamoth said, approaching her and kneeling down. I am not very easy to get rid of. Healer set down packs of implements. Yamoth continued. We've come because of reports that you had symptoms of thysis. Desra smiled daggers at her husband. And I know who reported me. Karen's always been trying to get rid of me. Thinks I'm too expensive. But then, he can't bring himself to do it and buys me something else to make up for it. This episode will cost him dearly. Yamoth nodded impassively. He said you were feeling tired and dizzy recently. Is that true? With a hissing sigh, Desra idly slipped rings onto her fingers. You would feel tired and dizzy if you spent all day cooped up in this room, waiting for Karen to come home. He doesn't let me go out alone, only when I can adorn his arm. I'm just another piece of jewelry to him, you see. He's afraid if I go out on my own, a man like you might snatch me up. Have you had any other symptoms? Swelling? Lesions? Redness? Something flitted with her in her sultry gaze. Something like fear. See for yourself. Desert drew the robe back from her figure and lay there as all eyes in the room passed over her silken skin. She rotted to one side, allowing a full view. Uh, I, I see no sign of tissue c corruption, Zod stuttered, pretending to mark a checklist he held in his hand. All right, cover up, Rebecca said. We've seen enough. You've seen what I don't have and what I do, she answered, slowly pulling up the robe again. Karen strode through the group and covered his wife with a ragged sheet. All right, you've seen. Now go. Wait, Yamath said. A few more questions. Have you ever been in contact with anyone who has the thysis? Perhaps during the riots? No. That was one time I was glad to be cooped up, she said. Monsters. They attack us, and we heal them? I've seen some of the albino skeletons walking about in the city now. I can't believe you're allowing these monsters among the rest of us. One of my aides today is from the caves, Yamoth said, gesturing toward a pale-faced woman who had carried the serum pack into the room. And none of those I have allowed into the city have even a trace of Thysis. Desra fixed the pallid woman with a vicious smile. Sorry, 
but I think the dam should stay dammed. Halcyon's got enough ugly people in it already. Grinning ruefully, Karen said, She's, she's got lots wrong with her, but it's not the disease you're looking for. That torque around your neck looks familiar, Rebecca said, eyes narrowing. May I see it? Are you healers or jewel thieves? The husband asked. He laughed nervously. Lean in, girlie, Desra said, puffing out her chest. If you want another eyeful. Give it to me, Rebecca responded flatly, extending her hand. Yalmoth intercepted her hand and drew it back. This interview is over. No, Rebecca said firmly. I recognize that torque because it's derived from a design by my husband. He created power stone matrices that cast dynamic illusions. Field effects that respond to changing environmental stimuli. Which means? She's not what she appears. Rebecca pulled free of Yalmoth's grip. She lunged past Karen, grabbed the torque, and pulled it from the woman's neck. Desra clawed her arm and shrieked. The sheet fell back. Without her torque, Desra looked very different. She was at least 70 years old and morbidly obese. Folds of fat hung above joints, nearly fused with arthritis. Worst of all, though, were the lesions. They ran together in great black sores, oozing and tattered. Skin hung in shreds from a thousand spots. Even as she struggled to rise, to recapture the torque, more wounds opened. From that infected figure came a stench that had been almost completely covered by the torque's illusion. Yamoth dragged Rebecca back from that horrid figure. He knocked the torque from her hands. The woman's clawing fingers had shredded Rebecca's forearms. Spirits, now, Yamoth yelled. Zod snatched up a bottle, pulled the cork, and it laddled across the wounds. Rebecca nearly collapsed from the searing pain. She slumped against Yamoth, burying her screaming face in his side. Neutralize, Yamoth ordered. The young untouchable flung a sedative dart across the room. It struck the woman, who groped among her jewels for more illusion magic. The dart injected a powerful sedative into her. She slumped across the power stone collection, rolled against the mirror, shattered it, and was pelted by descending shards of glass. Tezra! Oh, Tezra! Karen weeped, falling to his knees and plucking the bits of mirror from her. What have you done? What have you done to her? Pull him off. Administer three doses of the serum. Clear away the glass. Stabilize her. But take every precaution, Yamoth ordered. Tezra! Tezra! Yanking a clean sheet from his pack, Zod threw it over the man's head and hauled him back from his wife. He held the man's arms at his side and withdrew toward the wall. The other healers converged on the trembling woman. What have you done to her? Karen cried. You did it to her, Yamoth growled. You wanted a showpiece instead of a wife. You brought her the gems that ravaged her. Administer the test. The young untouchable had just finished injecting Desra and strode purposely toward Karen. She produced a knife from her belt and cut the sheet over the man's head. She pulled it back far enough to expose the right half of his face. Then, drawing up a needle bladder, she stuck the needle into his temple and squeezed slowly. When Karen began to scream, she stuffed a bunch of the sheet into his mouth. It's only a serum test. Yamoth explained, if you carry the thysis, your temple will turn black. If it remains its normal shade, you are healthy. No sign of change, the untouchable said, pulling the needle away and rubbing the man's temple. Test is negative. Congratulations, Yamoth said raggedly. You must be immune, but we will have to take your wife to the cave quarantine. She is a hazard to the health of the whole city. Karen's eyes were mad in his head. I'll go with her. 
I don't care. I'll go with her. She won't have her jewels. And she won't have her beauty, Yama said. I don't care. If they infected her, if I infected her, I'll not abandon her. Let him go, Yamath ordered. Let him gather whatever he will carry down into the caves. Zod, go fetch a team of bearers. She won't be able to walk. That's why she stayed cooped up in here. Zod released the man, who dropped to his knees, still wrapped in the sheet. Karen crumpled over. If I can't take the jewels, what will happen to them? Will they be here when we come back? No. The dwelling must be sterilized. Nothing will remain. The state will hold any items of value, such as these stones, for your eventual return. In your absence, this room will be provided to folk elevated from the caves, a starting point for their new lives. What? You can't simply take away one man's house and grant it to another. I can, and I do. You have no need of it, and you owe the city recompense for placing so many lives in jeopardy, Yama said. Now be quick. The bears will be here soon. You descend the caves within the hour. Still clinging to him, Rebecca looked up into Yama's stern features. She held out a ragged arm. I hope I'm immune, like you think. Yamoth wrapped her in a powerful arm. You'll get the best treatment possible, second only to Glaceon's own. Blinking, Rebecca drew a ragged breath. Thank you, Yamoth, for all you've done. And thank you for not sending Glaceon to the caves. I know he is too sick to remain in the city, but if you send him to the caves, I'd have to go with him. The steady look in Yamoth's eyes were indecipherable. I know. I know.